0: Before we dive into this podcast, I want to take a moment to guide you through some breath work. Now, the reason I want to start with this is that breath work has a powerful ability to allow us to have clarity of thought and to allow our nervous systems to go into a state of relaxation, which will allow us to focus better on what we're taking in from our environment. So start with me here. I want you to take a deep breath through your nose and then another deep breath through your nose while holding that and then slowly exhale through your mouth. Let's do that again. So two deep inhales through your nose, slow exhale through your mouth. One last time, two, two deep inhales through your nose, One slow exhale through your mouth. Thank you for joining me in this breathwork practice, and I hope you enjoy the podcast. Okay, well, welcome to another episode of Rewiring Health. I am so delighted to be joined today with uh, Olga Ka- Kaufman. Um, so Olga is um, uh, is a holistic binge eating coach. She helps women uh, stop binge eating, emotional eating, and yo-yo dieting, working with uh, groups and individual clients. So I'm so excited to have you here and uh, to share your story and, and, and what you do. So. Um, if you don't, you know, if you wouldn't mind just sharing, maybe start with some of your story. I, I think it'd be so interesting for people to hear that. Sure. And uh,
1: thank you so much for ha- having me. me you know, we, co- we uh, connected over Instagram a, a couple of times before. And it's always, you know, so much yeah. fun talking to you. So I'm really, really delighted to be here. Yes.
0: Yes. So happy to have you here. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, so
1: my, my my story is, you know, in a way, I think, you know, like many eating disorder recovery stories, it's really a little bit of the story of my life because eating is such a crucial, such an integral part of being human and being alive that when it starts going downhill, you first start seeing this kind of subtle little signs uh, and then it all you know, hits the fan, uh, uh, as, as, as it were. So in my case, there were loads of, you know, little signs throughout my childhood and throughout my teens, uh, mm-hmm. such as realizing, for example, that food can make me feel better. Mm-hmm. And also along the way, not realizing that there are any other ways of dealing with stress other than uh, eating it. Mm-hmm. So... over over, we are already having a little bit of a double whammy going on Mm -hmm. and and what also came to it is as probably any teenage girl or a girl who used to be a teenager can relate to and i had it stuck in my mind that i am too big and i should get smaller Mm -hmm. so classic the teenage thing um I suppose also a little bit reinforced by the fact that I'm I was just taller than my peers so I was proportionately bigger (laughs) not because Mm -hmm. there was anything wrong with me it's you know when you are five foot eight you are as big as five foot eight you cannot be as big as somebody who is just five feet tall Mm -hmm. so uh, that combination of things um together with being a massive perfectionist. Um, At school, I was, you know, straight A kind of student. You know, if I got a B, I was like, oh my God, you know, I'm failing. Mm -hmm. So, you know, taking all of this mindset and all of this lack of emotional skills in mind and then pluck me out of my comfort zone, Poland. Because that's where I'm from, as you can probably tell by the by the by the funny accent, mm-hmm. and then uh, I went off to University of Aberdeen in Scotland. So a massive change in uh, in environment, obviously change in language. Uh, there there's also there was also you know the Scottish accent to, 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 to uh, embrace, which I wasn't even aware of. There's such thing as Scottish accent right. <laughs> um, well, before it's I went. <laughs> Yes, exactly. Um, So this then um, really kind of put me in a little bit of a situation where I was experiencing quite a lot of stress. I was putting a lot of pressure on myself because I was still wanting to be the best in everything. It wasn't just one thing that I wanted to be good at, not just my studies. I also wanted to, you know, to volunteer, to have a job, to do this, do that. And there's only really so much as you can take, which... I sort of knew, but I thought, oh, come on, I can take on everything (laughs) because I don't have to be human. Other people can be human, but I don't have to be. So, um, um, and then, you know, something had to give. Mm -hmm. And the first, I think, kind of really strong memory of, it definitely was a bench that that comes to my mind was. When I broke up with my first sort of, i kind of, I suppose boyfriend, but you know, it was complicated. I wasn't really sure, you know, it's university stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, But it hurt all the same. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and then I'm like, you know, I don't really know what to do with these feelings. Mm -hmm. But what I knew was that that time earlier in the local supermarket, I I was able to see chocolate bars on Mm multipack. And this multipack was only one pound. And I thought, you know what? That is probably, you know, really a better place to go than like, you know, talking to anybody and opening up because I had it very much ingrained in my head that opening up to people means that you are weak and possibly also a little bit stupid because, you know, strong people don't have feelings and they definitely don't talk about them. So uh, these crunches, because that was the chocolate bar, they didn't last very long. Mm-hmm. And this was, I think, kind of the first really kind of all-out bench, which I, I really hoped, oh my God, you know, what is really happening. And as kind of the time kind of went by, um, it was sort of episodes of, you know, overeating, emotional eating, binge eating. And by the time I was graduating, um, my routine basically became Um, working on my dissertation in the morning, and on the way to the medical campus, I would stop by the supermarket Mm -hmm. and get myself two tubs of, um, uh, depending on on they had, usually it was like cake bites or flapjack bites, like mini brownies sort of things, you know, in like these kind of sharing tubs. Mm -hmm. And they had then again a multi-offer, two for three pounds, which is, you know, really good when you're in university. And by the time my lecture started at noon, um, they were both gone. And this was pretty much kind of the existence over and over. And it took various forms, you know, uh, then when I graduated and started working. And it was only really until I started losing my hair when I decided, you know, that I cannot
0: keep going the way I was going because this is just mad. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. And I love the, the, how you brought up, you know, how like you have these expectations that you have to be superhuman, you know, and that like, you know, everyone else can, you know, go through these things or, you know, go get help and everything, but I'm going to do this my own way. And, you know um, you know, feeling like you're, you know, you uh, are beyond strong to, to have to be able to get help and stuff like that. So I like, I, I can totally relate to a lot of what you said in a different way. You know, obviously my story is different, but to feel like, okay, you know, I, I have to achieve all these things and have all these high expectations and then cope with it in, in a way that, you know, you find that joy through something, you know, because everything else is just overwhelming. Um, how did you overcome that? And, and, and get sure, to do yeah. that? Oh, did I lose? Yeah, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, so, you
1: know, as I as mentioned, it, it really started becoming, being an accident. So at that time, I switched kind of my line of work because I studied biomedical science. So, you know, I would be a scientist. But then through various uh, trials and tribulations, I ended up in corporate audit. Mm-hmm. So uh, I was uh, sitting in the audit room, Thinking about spreadsheets, uh, I think IFS fifteen had just come into the UK, so this is this is a complete pain in the bottom for anybody be really minded. Uh, and I was just resting my head on my hand, mm-hmm. and suddenly I felt not hair but a bald spot. And mm-hmm. it, th- th- this was just like, what is going on? Yeah. So I excused myself to the bathroom. I took a look at my hair, mm-hmm. and there it was—a the bald spot just mm-hmm. staying at me. Mm-hmm. So this was honestly something that gave me such a kick in the bottom like nothing else because it really made me realize that you know what it's it's not that I'm just being silly by being stressed out my body has a very strong opinion on that and it's been keeping score all this time and it's not really happy Mm -hmm. so from that point on I really went on a bit of a I would take kind of rabbit hole search for all the various things that I could really do to get my hair back. But on that journey, you know, as kind of all the the journeys are really, I didn't exactly find what I was looking for. I didn't find that silver bullet that would get my hair back. But what I did find was a a lot of information about holistic health. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that I came across after trying the Various autoimmune protocols and you know, having turmeric tablets and putting garlic on my head. Like, honestly, I've I've tried such crazy things to to get my hair back that I I think the only thing I haven't tried is some sort of magic magic ritual, which is probably something the next thing on the list. Mm -hmm. Um, but the thing I did come across was that there is a lot to do, uh, not. So, inflammation is not just to do with toxicity in food, but it's also to do with toxicity in your mind. Mm -hmm. So, toxic thoughts, toxic thinking patterns, all all this sort of good stuff, everything that I had ignored for the best part of 20 odd years. Mm -hmm. So, only at this time I really started looking into it. And it really started with um, me doing like a little meditation course and then taking it a little bit further, reading a couple of books on, on the subject, delving into it, um, and then you know, working a little bit with a hypnotherapist. And it was all really in the, uh, with the focus of getting my hair back. But the more I was delving into it, the more I started realizing that foot stopped being an issue for me. And, and I started seeing it for what it really was. And it was really an emotional clutch, a way of coping with these difficult emotions and difficult situations. Um, And when I started discovering that there are actually different things that I can do that, you know, having fun and let's say, you know, doing gardening or baking or, you know, just being outside doing things I love um, are absolutely valid ways of uh, dissipating this stress. And it doesn't make me lazy. It doesn't make me stupid. It makes me human. Mm-hmm. then suddenly food has lost all, all the power it had
0: yeah and, and like I love how you talk about that because I think a lot of times like you know from my experience and other people I've you know talked with it is like you almost feel like you are not deserving of some of those times and that like if you were to let loose for a second and, and devote some time to, to some of those hobbies and things that bring you joy it's like almost like Oh, you know, I can't do this. I have to stay on my regimen. So it, it is so like a, a mind flip from when you start accepting that, this, no, this is just as important as getting my work done and, you know, doing whatever I'm supposed to be doing. And I, I, I love how you, you know, kind of highlighted that where it's like, you realize like you have to take care of yourself and, and do things that are self-care and, and not feel guilty for that. So oh
1: absolutely yeah yeah you know and, and it's it is a really good good point that you highlight too you know it's this worth you know it's this deserving mm-hmm. as uh I, th- I think you know when well not i don't think i know when i was stuck back mm-hmm. in this kind of kind of eating disorder patterns i yeah. i found I had to justify everything you know yeah. that um when, when it really kind of got to the point of being bad and, you know, on top of eating disorder, I also got depression.
0: Mm-hmm. It
1: was really, really at that point when I finally allowed myself, guess what, to finish work at 7 p.m. and then maybe watch a movie. Mm-hmm. And this was the reward that I have never allowed myself before.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. And yeah, and, and I think that it's so important to re- that you were able to recognize that, like, you know, you saw the patterns that were limiting you and it was only perpetuating what was going on. And it's like realizing that you are human, you know, no matter how strong you are, no matter how perfect you try to make things, you know, at the end of the day, you are human, you're an emotional body, you're a physical body, you're a mental body and, and everything that you do impacts that. So I think it's amazing that you were able to kind of discover that, you know, in yourself and and what you needed to do to get in a better place. Mm -hmm. Um, I know one thing. I know, like for me too, like through my eating disorder, I never actually was formally diagnosed with an eating disorder, and I think it's so important to highlight that because I know there's so many, you know, women and men out there that experience many of the same things that you and I have gone through. And maybe don't want to go get formally diagnosed or haven't or, or even um, for me, I downplayed my eating disorder because I never had a formal diagnosis and I'm like well it's not really a problem, and I never you know I, I like I said just downplayed that, did you ever get formally diagnosed or could you touch on that a little bit.
1: Sure. Yeah. No, no I, I never, never got, got the formal p- p- mm-hmm. diagnosis this. Yeah. Um, and to, I think there were several, several factors as to why, why it was one. And I, I never thought it was really, you know, I never really thought it was a disorder at that mm-hmm. point. I yeah. thought that it is just my own weakness It just, you know, why, why should I bother a doctor with the fact that I'm just, I just cannot control myself. I mean, that this is just silly, you know, why, you know? So I, it didn't even go through my mind that mm-hmm. I think disorder is really a thing. And it was only really through the benefit of hindsight when I was able to look at the way I lived my life and think, you know what, I take every single of the, these boxes. Mm-hmm. So it, it definitely would have been a thing. And, you know, the other thing, I think even if I knew, I would have been too ashamed. You know, I was so proud back when I was at university. And I think admitting to anybody that I don't have a handle on it that would have been, I don't don't think,
0: you know, in that mindset, I would have been able really to go through with it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think especially that, that proud thing, you know, pride is absolutely a good thing, but it is a curse in some way too, because you don't always seek out the help that maybe would have helped you at that time. So I think it is, it's so important to, you know, um, just like talk about that because I find that a lot of people experience that same thing. Like, and I can say, I can relate to that. Like for me, I was like, I'm, I don't have an eating or I'm an athlete, you know, I'm just eating excessively and exercising excessively and doing that, you know, more and more and more. And, and, but for the same thing too, I didn't really recognize how um, unhealthy my habits and my thoughts and everything were until hindsight, just like, like you were saying, it's kind of you have this like clarity after you kind of, come out almost on the other side of it which is
1: you know, amazing yeah yes yeah yeah you know you know you know, you know and, and I can really gel- relate to you know to, to what what you what you you're saying too because yeah. I think you know when you're stuck in this pattern it's very difficult to think of life being kind of different. You just think, you know, work hard, play hard. Okay, you know, my play hard is just eat, eating a, a lot, lot of food or, in fact, you know, sort of saving it for, you know, for when I've been extra good and maybe I got a really good grade. And, uh, yeah, you know, it's just kind of my way of rewarding myself. And I think it's easy to downplay it in your mind mm-hmm. that it's not really a disorder. It's just kind of part of your life. And, yeah. Um, and 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 so what and it's only really when you are on the other side and when you experience that life doesn't have to be as awful as it was Mm -hmm. that you look back and you think what was going through my mind at the time
0: yeah oh absolutely yeah I mean I think it is so enlightening when you you do look back on your mindset and you're like oh my gosh like you realize how how warped your thoughts were, but yet the, when you're going through it, you don't realize that this is just your reality. And okay. I, I think it's so important to recognize that because you it, things are so different when you're going through that. It's your day in and day out life versus when you can see things kind of on the a more a broad picture and realize like, wow, I, I don't have to live like this. This doesn't have to be forever. And it's just so... Enlightening and and joyful when you realize that this is not a forever thing. So it, there is light at the end of the tunnel. Um, I know you discussed your your hair loss with uh, your your eating disorder. Did you have any other secondary like complications or any kind of like physical um, complications from the eating disorder? Um,
1: so two kind of kind of come to mind. So one was uh, I got some problems with, with my knee, and it, oh, uh, it really kind of went to the. Summer just after my first year at university, because I went off to work actually in Connecticut on a uh, on a summer camp, and it was um, I didn't so I thought it would be a camp for people with physical disabilities. It was a camp for people with mental disabilities, but I kind of found out when I, which I was on the plane because I didn't read the paperwork properly. So <clears throat> so there we go, life lessons. But anyway. <laughs> it was um it was very stressful yeah um i think it was also very stressful because i was just 18 19 and you know i think the way i would have approached it now would be very different but at that time it was stressing me completely out Mm -hmm. and um what what was also happening is that i just couldn't stop eating because comfort was absolutely disgusting this was kind of one thing and i really wanted joy somewhere else and mm-hmm. that joy was really in the form of food whenever we could go out or you know that I had a day off it was like okay let's let, let's go and see you know which restaurant it does it something to do with Oreos mm-hmm. um but I was also recognizing that my clothes were getting tighter and I really didn't like that so Um, I I started going to the camp gym and the only worthwhile piece of equipment there was this uh, uh, old exercise bike. Mm -hmm. And obviously, you know, being a numbers person, I thought, okay, let's take a look at how many calories this thing burns. And I noticed that the higher I put the resistance, the more calories I can burn at a a given time. Wasn't it amazing? So I started pedaling on that as hard as I could for as long as I could. During my break times, and as you can imagine, uh, with this not being properly regulated, mm-hmm. that did I don't really show sure what to my knee. I suspect that it may have slightly damaged one of the cartilages, because for a good couple of years afterwards, my knee was hurting, mm-hmm. especially when I, when I when I placed it in a sort of certain way. Um, thankfully, now, ten years or ten plus years on it's okay but this was I think a definite strong physical um you know um result of it and then the other thing was that at that time Kelly I'm five foot eight and I was way over 100 kilos Mm -hmm. um so that is 220 pounds which is kind of quite a lot Mm -hmm. Uh, you know I obviously don't don't want to you know shame anybody for being whatever size they are but for me for my body this wasn't a comfortable size Mm -hmm. you know I couldn't walk up the stairs without, you know, losing my breath. You know, I really liked the outdoors. Like everything seemed to be so hard, like going through a fog and I didn't enjoy being in a body that was quite as big. So that was another effect. And then I suppose the other one was related to Mm self-confidence. So I was just very aware how I looked and I, was also very aware how I looked when I left for university. So, you know, kind of coming back home with additional four, 30, 40 kilos on you. You know, my, some of my friends could have recognize me and you can see it in people's eyes where I, where, where, you know, they want to say, what the heck has just happened to you? Mm-hmm. And nobody is going to ask the question. Everybody's being very polite about it. Mm-hmm. But you kind of know that they're thinking, like, what is going on with you? Mm-hmm. Um, so this was really, I think, a very kind of ingrained thing in me for, I would say, really years afterwards, you know, this kind of self-consciousness about the way I looked or, you know, what would other people think about me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, you know, in an odd way, losing the hair sort of puts things into a little bit of a perspective because, you know, y- y- you can't really hide. And then you really come to the point of you're like, you know what, think about me, whatever you think of me, you know, if you think I look like an egg, then, you know, then you probably guys, right because I do. Uh, but whatever.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and yeah, it's it, it probably like two things going off of that, like, uh, and you were saying losing the hair, you know, it's... uh you know, it probably helped you with some of that like self-acceptance because it's, you know, with an eating disorder, everything is hidden. You hide everything. You're shameful. You're, you know, it's secretive. But, you know, when you have something that you can't hide, it's almost like it kind of forces, I don't know if you experienced this, but like forces that self-acceptance almost where it's like, this is who I am, you know, and and you can't necessarily hide it. Did you experience that with the yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I think it is a really, really, really good, good point that I did bring down huh? because, when it first started happening, and you know, the first um, spot they noticed on my head was maybe the size of a two-pound coin, which is about this, this big, about, it's, it's about an inch, yeah. inch in diameter. And oh my goodness, the amount of anxiety I had over that was just insane. Now, yeah. currently, I don't have any hair anywhere, mm-hmm. literally nowhere. Yeah. Um, so, And I feel so much more self-accepting towards me then when I had this spot, because Mm -hmm. I was doing my utmost to hide it, you know, and the very thought that, oh, somebody would see this tiny little box, but was, Mm -hmm. you know, completely paralyzing. And Mm -hmm. I think, you know, as as you say, you know, when you kind of get to the point of, you know, we are in a different place, Mm -hmm. uh, perhaps than when I would like to be, Mm -hmm. but at the same time, you know, this is who I am, Mm -hmm. and I haven't changed as a person. And I think this is, you know, also an important thing to really realize, you know, when you are on the other side of the eating disorder, because I think it also helps you. I think appreciate the journey you've been on Mm -hmm. and appreciate that, you know, what, even though I no longer think the way I used to think, uh, I still have a lot of compassion for the person that I used to be, because I know that it, that that version of me was both the source of a lot of misery, but at the same time, you know, she also has shown a lot of resilience really in mm-hmm. going through it all.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, I, I love this question. I think it makes me think, and I've, I've had, I've asked this myself, but if you could talk to your former self, what would you tell your former self at that time?
1: Oh, goodness, a lot, a, a lot of things. And, you know, I, I, I think it, it, it is really a good question.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I think I tell her that um, she doesn't have to be the best in everything, that it's absolutely okay to take a break and to prioritize things. Mm-hmm. I think the other thing would be, which is, I think, quite related to it, is that she doesn't have to do everything herself as I, I used to have it in my head and, you know, probably used it too. that, you know, if I want something done properly, I have to do it myself. Mm-hmm. Nobody else could be possibly trusted with my standards. Um, and in fact, you know, why should I trust anybody else? Uh, mm-hmm. I can do it all on my own. So, you know, to an extent, you know, you learn things because you do things yourself. But it, I think there is a beauty in... Uh, delegation deletion and delaying things where you just create a little bit of space for yourself and i think i also tell her that you know that she's important too Mm -hmm. and that prioritizing absolutely everything and everybody else apart from myself isn't the greatest choice because you know ultimately you cannot pour from an empty cup and the more i think I was focusing on sure other there. people's expectations. Uh, so say other people. Um, I don't know if it froze on your
0: side. Uh,
1: sorry.
0: Oh, there we go. Sorry, it froze for a second, so I didn't hear anything the
1: last, like, five seconds. Sorry. Oh, always fine, sure. Yeah, yeah, I was, I was just saying about the expectations, because I really feel, you know, the more we focus on what other people want for us, both when it comes to career choices or, you know, grades or... Um, you know, j- just subjecting general kind of life expectations, you know, the less we really listen to, to ourselves, to our own intuition, you know, where we, we really want to be as people. Mm-hmm. And I feel, you know, for a lot of kind of my teens and 20s, I was living up to, to where I should be mm-hmm. and never asking myself where I want to be. And mm-hmm. I think making this distinction was quite
0: a game changer for me. I love that. Like that, that point I think is everything. Like, cause I, I really feel like it's like you go through your life and you don't even realize that you're doing that, that you're like, I should be doing this. And it's like, it's a draining way to kind of go through things. So I, I love that you're bringing up that point because it's so true. Like, I mean, I, I went through that myself, like, Oh my gosh, I'm doing everything I should be doing. But at the end of the day, like you only have one life and your time is limited. And it's like, what do you want out of life? And I think that is like when you start to grow and you start to flourish and, and become what you're destined to be I think it's just like a beautiful point that you made there like recognizing the difference between should and and want um do you know like what helped you kind of flip your mindset on that or or change your mindset and or figure that out
1: um you know what I'd say uh so so there are kind of a couple of things that kind of helped me with that and I think the main one was really kind of the introspection and the journaling Mm-hmm. And, you know, this was something that I, I have tried to, you know, I have tried, tried to draw, I don't know, since I think I was eight or something. Mm-hmm. As, you know, and, and at that time you got these kind of fancy, um, would with scented pages and, you know, it was all kind of very princessy, <laughs> but I could never stick to it. And yeah. it was only really when I started reading, you know, various, various books and really allowing myself the space to, to talk um you know talk to to the pages that um i think you know a lot of things kind of really started coming up for me Mm -hmm. um the other thing that was really really helpful was meditation Mm -hmm. because this is also a space where you really learn to sit with whatever is coming up and you know it's not that you start meditating and you know you are off you know into the zen land and everything is wonderful Uh, sometimes things that come up are not very pleasant and mm-hmm. you still kind of sit through it, and you still uh, sit with it. And then later on, when you know, you're you living a normal life and you're not meditating, um, you also find yourself in a space with not very pleasant emotions. Mm-hmm. And then you also realize that, you know what, I was able to sit through 10 minutes of this earlier this morning, why can't I sit through it now? and don't have to self-medicate with a chocolate bar. It's absolutely fine for me to experience this too. Another um, thing that, 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 that helped me was hypnotherapy. Mm-hmm. Um, it was actually, the reason I hired the hypnotherapist was really for my hair, mm-hmm. but um, I can't I, I can, can say that, that like, this bit has helped, but overall, when it comes to my overall wellbeing, that definitely helped, because um, partly it's, the, it's this kind of deeper, introspection that happens in hypnotherapy and mm-hmm. um, where you really get insights to you know various areas of your life way back when where you still hold on to some beliefs or some uh, feelings about yourself that no longer serve you and I think even you know that 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 part you know even when you start changing one of these beliefs mm-hmm. it makes your mind think of all the other beliefs that you hold about yourself and it's it really becomes a rabbit hole because you start noticing patterns throughout your life mm-hmm. um where you are doing similar sort of self-sabotaging thing mm-hmm. only maybe in different guises and i th- i think you know it's overall really it's gaining this awareness that i think helped me the most and this is i guess you know the combination of all of these factors because you cannot fix what you're not aware of. And you, and it is really only through analyzing and kind of self-analyzing, why am I, am I doing that? You know, what is driving, driving me, me to do it? What do I actually believe about myself that allows you to see these behaviors for, for what they are? Because, you know, at, at some point you get to the, um, you ask the question, why am I doing this? And you think, either I don't actually know because I've always done it. Mm -hmm. Um, And the other thing is, oh, because I don't actually like myself. And then the question is, why don't you like yourself? Like, for goodness sake, like you're with you 24 seven. Like, you know, come on. Yeah,
0: absolutely. And yeah, I mean, definitely because I mean, when we talk about our minds, you know, 95% of our thoughts are subconscious. And so it's things going on in the background that we don't even realize are actually going on. And, you know, it's about the story that we tell ourselves, you know, what's your inner dialogue that you're telling yourself. And, you know, that's happening over and over again, that dictates your thoughts, your behaviors, your emotions. And it's, it's so important you talk about the introspection to have that, you know, to be aware of like, what is going on? What are these inner thoughts? And and I'm questioning them, you know? And I think that's the big thing is like, because a lot of times we believe everything that our minds are telling us, like, of course this is true, you know? But we, we only have that one lens that we're looking through. And I think it's, you know, like I know you, you talked about this. It's like when you can see things from a different lens and realize like that doesn't have to be your reality forever, it's just the most enlightening thing ever and, and liberating thing to, to change it. Absolutely,
1: and you know, and, and what is also very closely linked to it is, you know, the beliefs that you hold about food, mm-hmm. because, you yeah. know, you, because you know the the thing you know with the with the whole hair loss thing, you know, my, my first point of call was look uh, was I, I I found a thing called autoimmune protocol, which is basically a way of eating where you remove all known allergens, which really leaves you with like, you know, meat selection or veg selection of fruit, and, uh, and that's about it.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So it's, it's, you know, I, th- I think like, you know, all these kind of eating protocols, yes, it definitely has, you know, some good good points about it, but on the other side of it, I this kind of get towards kind of slightly orthorexic way of thinking because, you know, you honestly start feeding foods Mm-hmm. especially when you think like, oh goodness, you know, if I eat this, you know, could this lead to inflammation? Could it make me even worse? Mm-hmm. And there is, I think, this kind of national part of you which, which um, thinks, you know, yes, it can actually be the case, but then there's also a part which starts becoming really paranoid about it. Mm-hmm. And when when you then start doing this introspection, then you're able to, I think, calm this paranoid part a little bit and think, okay, chill. Mm-hmm. Yes, it, it, it can be that, let's say, you know, mm-hmm. berry or wheat or whatever can be causing inflama- inflammation in me. Mm-hmm. But what we're looking at at the moment is a small, uh, let's say, cracker with one slice of cheese. Mm-hmm. This is probably not going to kill you. Mm-hmm. It's okay. So, so so I think, you know, the, the same technique that you can apply for introspection, you can also apply with... Um, looking at food and the way
0: you perceive it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And and I like how you talk about, you know, the, the orthorexia because it is like kind of getting in the, you know, we think though we're doing healthy behaviors, but sometimes those healthy behaviors get out of hand because again, our mindset isn't in the right place. And, and, you know, um, what are some tools that you've used, you know, to kind of keep yourself in a place where you have a healthy relationship with food and you're not fearful of of what you put in your mouth and kind of getting to that place? What are some things that you do regularly or, or teach people to do regularly with that? Mm-hmm.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. You know, so for for me personally, it's having a really solid self-care routine.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, this is, I think, you know, an absolute... Foundation for me, and this is also, you know, something that I really insist on that that my clients start developing. Because honestly, if you don't start looking after yourself, then who will? Mm-hmm. And if you don't, then everything sooner or later is going to completely fall apart, as yeah. eventually you just keep depleting, depleting, depleting yourself, and um, eventually you hit the rock bottom of the well, and there isn't any water coming. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, so that that is, I think, the the, the main thing for me. And the, the way it looks like is that I always, every day, I like to spend time outside. Mm-hmm. I always get recharged when, whenever I'm, you know, whether it's in the garden or in the park or whatever. I just I, I just like to be out in nature. Um, and then you know, meditation practice. This is something you know which I started easily over two years ago and. I may have missed a day or so there, but other than that, it's it's pretty solid because it really keeps me so much more sane than it did, did before. Um, I guess also, you know, what, what helps me is check-ins throughout the day, you know, really speaking to myself and asking, you know, how am I doing? Mm-hmm. And also, which is something which I didn't used to do before, actually listening to, to these messages. Mm-hmm. Because I think, you know, so many of us, Instinctively know that okay, you know, I'm tired,
0: mm-hmm. or
1: I'm a bit fed up, or I'm a little bit upset about something. Mm-hmm. And then in comes the mind and says, Oh, don't be so stupid. Mm-hmm. Come on, tired at 2 p.m. Oh, come on, are you 18? No, you, sh- you should just get a coffee and a chocolate bar and keep going. Mm-hmm. And this was the way that i i speak to myself you know not not so long ago Mm -hmm. um and now once i still recognize oh yeah you know i'm i'm feeling tired and i feel disappointed with myself because i would like to have done a b and c Mm -hmm. i am able to accept this feeling and think okay well, too bad, maybe I have to do it later. Maybe it's not going to go to get done today. I don't think anybody will die as a result. Why don't I lay down for 10 minutes? Mm-hmm. And there we go. So I think for me, it was really about developing distrust with with myself and having this conversation with these various layers of myself and actually listening to what they have to say, because I think it's all well and good to have the awareness. But if you then dismiss these messages, it's pretty much as if you are, Talking to another person in a relationship, like, hey, Kelly, you know, did you, do you want to, do you want to go, go for pizza or lunch or, you know, somewhere else? Mm-hmm. And then you say what you want. And I'm like, yeah, whatever. Mm-hmm. I'm not listening. You yeah. know, yeah. It, it, it just breaks trust. And then eventually yeah. you stop listening to, 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 to these messages. So for, for me, and I think for my clients, it's really about um, starting to notice mm-hmm. these messages. Yeah. And start starting to act on them in a way which doesn't involve uh, abusing food, mm-hmm. um, and 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 that, and then you know the next stage is really kind of maintaining this awareness and also maintaining yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, as a, the, 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 these are two two parts which really stay with us, you know, till till, till our dying day, because we'll always encounter food, we we'll always encounter situations which are challenging or stressful or upsetting mm-hmm. but we need to be aware that they are even happening because then we can act we can put things in place and mm-hmm. um, rather than def- waiting till we are really at the end of our feather and then defaulting to the simplest function um,
0: option which is which is Benji. Mm-hmm. Absolutely yeah and, and one thing you brought up there that I loved is the importance of showing up for yourself, because I mean, it's so true that you can set the best plan, but if you don't show up for yourself consistently, you know, you start to build that distrust within yourself and then it doesn't, you know, bode well for a a better uh, routine. So I think it's so important. I I love that that point, like how important that is that we, you know, do that for ourselves and not find all those excuses or listen to all those voices that tell us to do something differently and get back into that habit of, Dismissing what our needs are, I think that's that's just such a great point there. Mm-hmm. Um, for anyone who's in a place that they're they feel lost or just don't know where to begin, and they um, maybe where are where were you are where years ago? Um, what would your message to them be? Um,
1: I, I think that the first thing is that you're not alone, and that you're not crazy, you're not broken, you're not weak in any way, shape, or form. Mm-hmm you know, it's, it's okay to not be okay. And it's okay to be in the place where you currently are. And, you know, all, you know the, the struggle that you are going through is, of course, it's all unique to you, but it, 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 there are so many other people who are in the very same position as you. And also there are so many people who have been in this position and mm-hmm. have recovered. So um, I think, you know, my main message is to have hope. Um, and also to, to 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 accept it that that I, th- I think you know for for myself you know if i had spoken to, my, to myself all these years ago and said to myself oh God, look you know what you're doing with food mm-hmm. it's just not healthy for you i'd probably think you know what it really is but i was just too afraid to admit it to myself mm-hmm. as you can't really fix what you're not aware of and having you know, even having this awareness, like this itself, is it's, it's, it's a is a is a very good good first step.
0: Mm-hmm. I love that. I think that's it is so so important. I love that you you brought that up, and I, I think it's amazing. And just the message of hope—that's what people need—and and to realize that this is not a forever thing. You know, so and I'm sure you know your story will be an inspiration to many that. You know, you can live a joyful, happy life. You know, after having a binge eating disorder. So I think that's amazing. Um, for those people who, and I know you've worked with so many people that and have helped so many people incredibly, but um, how can people find you?
1: Yeah, yeah. So, so you, you can find me first of all on Instagram. i um, at olgas_wellness underscore Wellness. Um, Or you can find me on Facebook, where I am also on Olga's Wellness. Uh, And there is a Facebook group, which is also very imaginatively uh, called Olga's Wellness food freedom community. Or you can find me on my website, www.olgaswellness.com uh, And then the final point will be, uh, there'll be podcasts uh, that I will be releasing soon. And it's here from within with Olga's wellness. So uh, that uh, title became a tiny bit more imaginative than the other ones.
0: Perfect. I'll put that all in the show notes too. So you'll have that available um, at the bottom of this. And um, for anyone listening feel free to leave any questions or comments for myself or Olga and um, definitely reach out to her and connect with her because I, she's a wealth of knowledge and information and, and a great resource for anyone going through this so um, I thank you so much Olga for joining us joining me today and sharing your story and and I know that your story will be inspiring to many and and I think it's just incredible to you know what you've what you've gone through and, and how you've come out on the other end in such a Amazing place. So thank you. I appreciate it. Um,
1: uh, absolutely. And thank and thank you for, for inviting me, me Kelly. It's, it's been lovely to to connect with you again.
0: Absolutely. Yes, definitely. Always is.